I want to dive into sharing about how do we get into position and to prepare ourselves for the breakthrough that we believe is coming. Now, breakthrough, we talked about earlier this year, it's really a military term. So it's a concept that, that was birthed from the military experience. Now, breakthrough is, is when two opposing forces are fighting against each other and one opposing side breaks through the barrier of the other opposing side. And so they break past the stronghold that was holding them back. And so when we talk about a breakthrough, what we're talking about is breaking through the strongholds that the enemy has in your life, in our church, and in this city. So we need breakthrough. We're going to break past the enemy's barriers. We're going to break past what he has held us back from. The loss that are in Fort Bend County, we're going to break past that and we're going to see them saved. So we're going in and we're taking territory. Some of it he stole from you. Maybe it was your kids and they were living for God, but they're not living for God anymore. So he stole them out of the destiny that God had for them. But we're believing that God's going to break past the enemy barrier and we're going to get them back. You see what I mean? Some of it is a breakthrough in a business that you've not started. So he didn't take it, but you're taking territory. You're going to be a marketplace leader. You're going out there to demonstrate how powerful God is and how great he is and to build his kingdom and, I believe, transfer the wealth of the wicked to the righteous. So you're going to take back territory or take territory that we've never had before. That is what a breakthrough is all about. Now, the thing with a breakthrough is that sometimes you think a breakthrough is coming. Well, it's going to be easy. Wow, I mean, breakthrough, it sounds so good, it sounds amazing. No, no, when you talk about breakthrough, you need to get ready for all hell to break loose. <laughs> That's a breakthrough. What are you telling me, pastor? Like, come on, what you, I'm saying it's going to get worse before it gets better. Yeah, but I don't understand. Well, think about it. If you're fighting an enemy and you know you're about to lose this position or this stronghold, you don't just walk out and leave. They shoot you for treason. You don't just run and retreat. You give everything you got and you put a full-fledged assault and attack so that the enemy dissipates and they retreat and run in fear. Even though they could overtake me, I'm saying, look, baby, I'm going to give it all I got because I'm going to make you be afraid and push you back. And that's what the enemy does. When he can see God's about to break through in an area, he does a full-fledged attack in your life because, look, he can't stop God, but he can stop you from believing God. You see, you see, and so... So then, then what happens is you say, well, God, I thought you were going to do it, and this must not be the business you've called me to launch. This must not be, God, you said, as for me and my house, we will be safe, but my kids are getting worse. Not only are they strung out in drugs, now they're in jail. God, it's getting worse. Not only do they not believe in you, they become an atheist. And so the devil's saying, look, they don't even believe in God, but I want you to know they don't have to believe in God to have an encounter with God. Yeah. That God will break right through. And so you got to fight these thoughts of, I, I mean, there's no way God could do it. And you have to say, no, 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 my God. It, it, so here's the question. Is there anything too hard for my God? Nothing. So, so it's not, is the enemy attacking? Is, is there anything too hard for my God? And so even though it may look like and feel like and sense that you're losing ground, if you will hold on. 
If you will stand your ground, I promise you the breakthrough is right around the corner. And so that's why the Bible talks in Ephesians, you know, he talks about putting on the whole armor of God. And then he says, and then at the end, in all else, stand, just stand. Now, we think of standing as passive, but it's really not. When we're waiting on God, and it's not passive. Standing means keep doing what you've been doing. What does that mean? That means if you're part of the dream team, keep serving on the dream team when the devil's attacking your marriage. Oh, but pastor, you don't know how hard it's been in my marriage. No, no, I, I don't know exactly, but I've had hard times in my marriage. And guess what? You don't quit pastoring a church when your marriage is hard. You don't quit serving on the dream team when your marriage is hard. Why? Because I understand this is just for a season, and the enemy is trying to get me to stop what God is doing. So you can't stop. But pastor, if you knew, even taking next steps, it's like, yeah, but, but it's just hard to stay after if you knew my kids. or No, no, no. you got to remember whatever you're walking through is just a test to see if you're going to fulfill what God wants you to do in your life for the breakthrough. I'm not going to stop. I can't quit. I'm not stopping. And we understand that his whole assault on our life is to keep us from experiencing the victory that God has for our lives. Look, some of you have started tithing, and then now everything seems to break. Your refrigerator broke. You're, you had to call a plumber. You, your car breaks down, and, and you're like, well, it don't work. Baby, you've only been tithing for three weeks. Come on, somebody. You need to keep going a little bit more. I'm just, Why? Because he knows the power of a person who lives with an open heaven. And so if he can cause you to say, well, I can't make it. No, no, baby. Don't stop. Don't quit. Just keep moving forward. And what I've seen is that God will bring enough for that car that broke down, for the plumber to fix the toilet, for whatever problem it is, if you will not disqualify God's hand in what he's doing. And so you just got to say, look, I'm not quitting. Why? Because God wants me to experience a breakthrough in my finances. A breakthrough. It's a breakthrough. Don't give up ground that you have taken, that you have won from the enemy. Don't give it back to him. Don't say it's not working. No, no, it is working. You got to remember, sometimes we gauge things in weeks and months. God gauges things in a lifetime. Like, like, okay, it's been three weeks, but he's got the rest of your life. Like, when you put it into perspective, it helps us to see, look, look, it may feel like I'm losing now, but I'm not going to lose. I'm going to stay on track for the rest of my life. God's going to continue his work. I will experience the miracle and the breakthrough that God has for my life. And so now, when we're standing, we got to know it's not just passive. It's not just sitting there. It's doing. Continue doing whatever you've been doing. Okay? Everybody with me? But then there are times when you got to do more than what you've been doing. you got to prepare for the miracle that he is bringing in your life. Like there's something extra. There's a supernatural that's about to take place, and i got to prepare for it. And we find in 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 15 through 18, a story uh, of the Israelites and the, the nation of Judah. We have a, a nation called the Moabites. They have rebelled against the king of Israel. And so Israel's king has now gotten in cahoots with with Judah and said, hey, look, we're going to attack the Moabites. We're going to destroy them. They're the enemy. Will you come and fight this battle? And so Jehoshaphat, who is the king of Judah, says, yes, I'll fight with you, uh, king of Israel. We're going to fight this together. And so they go off to fight this wicked nation 
And uh, they go and start to travel. They're seven days in their journey. And they realize in their seventh day they've got no water. So they've got cattle, they've got animals, they've got their soldiers, and they've found themselves in a valley, and they're about to fight the Moabites, but yet they have no nourishment for their souls and their body. They've got no water. And so they're going to die if God doesn't move. They're, they're dehydrated, they're, they're thirsty. And so the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat say, hey, is there a prophet? Is there somebody that can hear from God? And Elisha is there in that day. And so he calls for Elisha, and Elisha comes, and he gets to playing worship, and God begins to speak to him. And I want you to see what God says when these nations are in a desperate situation and about to die. He says, the hand of the Lord came upon him. Thus saith the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. Everybody say ditches. And that's the title of the message today, Digging Ditches says, for thus says the Lord, you shall not see wind, nor shall you see rain. Yet the valley you're in, so they're in a valley, they're, they're, they're dehydrated, about to die of thirst. It says, it shall be filled with water, so that you, your cattle, and your animals may drink. Now this is a simple matter in the sight of the Lord. He will also deliver the Moabites into your hand. Now, it's very interesting. God's going to send the, the water, but he doesn't do it through the obvious way. I mean, you know, if, you, if you expect water to come, how many would expect it to fall from the sky? And, and so here, it's not what happens. And so we're saying, look, God's going to bring it, but he's going to do it a different way. And, and we see that in our life because if it came our way, then you wouldn't need God. And it wouldn't be a miracle. And, and so we, we, we see that here. And then Elisha tells them to do some very odd. Dig ditches. Dig ditches. Now, ditches were canals. So he's saying, look, you need to dig some canals. Now, they did two things. They received the water and they retained the water. So they received the water and they retained the water. And so we see, look, they had to make preparation for the miracle that God was going to perform. So he's going to perform this miracle, but I've got to be able to receive it and retain it. So here's my question. Whatever miracle you've been asking God for, what have you done to prepare to receive and retain it? So we, we get into a mentality sometimes like, God, just bless me. And, and, and look, I've been in church my whole life, and, and sometimes we can put all of it on God. We're like, God, just bless me. God, you, you know, bless me financially. God, I need a miracle. And God's like, okay, I'll give you a miracle, but where's your budget? Oh, I know I'm meddling. I'm meddling. I'm an adult. I don't need a budget. Yes, you do. Why? Because you can't handle what God's going to bring. And so God's going to bless you, but you can't even manage what it is he sends into your house. So, so what's the preparation to be able to receive and retain the blessing that God's going to bring to your life? Some of you look, you're asking God for that job. And, and God, this is the job I believe you called me to. But it, you, you've never gone back to school to get the education you need to get the miracle and prepare to receive what God has for you. Oh, but God's going to bless me. Yeah, he will. But we've got to make preparation. Some of us, look, we need healing in our hearts. And, and, and so, but, but you've never been to small group. Like, God, I need you to heal my heart. My heart is broken. But God said in James 5, 16, that the only way healing comes is in the context of relationship. That confess your faults one to another. Pray for each other that you might be healed. See, if we confess our sins to God, he is faithful and just to forgive us. 
But healing comes in the context of relationships. So God, I need a healing miracle in my heart, but we've done nothing to prepare to retain and receive it. Maybe it's a relational healing. Look, but you won't go to counseling. Like, I mean, I ain't going. Just somebody pray for Pray for me. That's all I need. No, baby, some of you and us, I go to counseling, baby, why? Because I am messed up. Like, like we messed up. But I ain't going to counseling. Okay, great. You stay jacked up and don't receive the healing that God has for your life. That's right. That's right. (laughs) Because it's not about just receiving it. It's about being able to retain it. Because I believe God does things in a moment. He lays his hands on them and... I mean, relational healing in our heart happens, but you can't keep it. Why? Because you're, you're dysfunctional. You don't have the tools to live a functional life. And so what, what, are, we, what are we doing? And, and some of you look, you say, God, I just, I just want purpose. It's all about purpose, but you've never been the next steps. It, it's, just, it's not complicated, but you've got to discover. We believe design reveals destiny. So, so it's not that next steps has something miraculous. I mean, it's a class. It's just a class. But the tools are there for you to discover how God designed you. So, so you uncover your personality profile and your spiritual gifts. In fact, it happens in it after this service. I think part two happens immediately following this service, which is, I love that one because you discover your spiritual gifts and your personality. And, and then you can say, okay, God, now lead me to the purpose that you have for my life. And really what we have to know is this, preparation doesn't always make sense. It doesn't always make sense. Like, like, we love things in a straight line, we love things in an order, but if we can make sense of it, then we don't need God. Look, they are dying of dehydration, y'all. Like, and, and look at what Elisha says through the voice, he's speaking as the voice, go dig a ditch. What? Yo, I'm like limped over, I can't hardly breathe, I'm like just, and you want me to go get a shovel, and you want me to dig, has anybody ever dug a ditch? Like, just raise your hand if you've ever dug a ditch couple of my men. Yeah, you, men, you know what I'm talking about. Look, Steve and I used to work construction. We started working when we were 14 years old. Uh, there was a man in our church, and he owned a construction company, and they focused on cement work and foundations primarily. And, you know, one day we were just talking. He said, yeah, well, if you want a job, you can come work for me. I said, but I'm 14. He said, I don't care. Come work for me. And I'm like, okay, digging a ditch. How hard can that be? Like, <laughs> He was going to pay me $55 a day. This is in 1991. That's 19 years ago. $55 a day for a 14-year-old. That was some money. And so I'm like, money, money, money. So I get up there, and my mom, she's smiling all grin. She didn't say nothing. She, she's like, all right, we're going to go. And so we go out and get in the truck. Man, I was dead. Like, by the end of the day, I was like, like something happened to me. Like, I, I just... Just, I, I remember getting out to my mom in the truck, and she, she had the van. It was, remember, that big blue van. And we get in there. She's like, how is it? I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. So we get up into the bathtub. And, and, you know, back then, so we had sunburns. And, you know, the remedy for a sunburn is a hot bath, as my mom always told me. So I don't know if she was trying to torture me or, but I always get this hot bath. She's like, it's hot, it's hot water, baby. Just get it. So we get in there, and you just be like, oh, oh. Oh, and then all my muscles, and so I get, she's like, you want to eat dinner? No, I'm good, Mom, and no, I'm good. I'm, I'm going to go straight to bed. And I said, by the way, Mom, I quit. And she, <laughs> did you tell him? Yeah, I told him. I'm not coming back. She said, oh, baby. 
I'll wake you up at 5 a.m. tomorrow morning. She's like, you don't sign up, like, like you're a Kyle's. Kyle's don't quit. And so at 5 a.m., sure enough, she got up, and my body felt a little bit better, and we go back and do it again. And it's really what built discipline in my life at an age of 14. Like, every day I quit, every day. But, but, but listen, <laughs> every day I quit. I hate it. And then you get your paycheck, and you're like, manna from heaven. Lord, Lord, it's awesome, amazing. And, uh, you know, but, but, what, but what, they, on a good day, when I'm healthy, it was hard. Imagine these guys who are dying of dehydration, seven days. And, 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 the, and then God would have the audacity to tell me to work harder when I'm about to die. The audacity. Like, like, like look, can't you just send some rain from the sky? Like, I ain't got to do it. And that's the mentality sometimes when God tells you to do what you feel like you can't do. He knows it's not going to kill you, and he's setting you up for the miracle that you've been begging for. Yeah. And look at what it says in Isaiah 55, 8. It says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. God's wisdom is always greater than man's intellect. So don't try to figure it out. Just be obedient in your life and say, God, I'll do whatever it is that you've asked me to do. Some of you, look, you've been asking God. you got zero dollars in your bank account. There's nothing there. And it's been like that for a long time. And then you feel like the Lord said, okay, start tithing. That's the next step of maturity as a Christian. You're like, what? I'll go broke. Like I'm already losing it. It don't make sense. How I many know God doesn't make sense? Some of you, you've been, you're in your business and you got employees and you're asking God to accelerate your sales and your profit. And God said, that's great. You've been tithing. I want you to be a legacy giver. You're like, yeah, yeah. And you've been saving for vacation. And this has happened to me more, more times than I could take. Saving for retirement, saving for this and that. And then all of a sudden, God will say, I want you to give this. And you're like, this, like what this? Like this, this, and like that, that. And God's like, like why can't I do a little bit of this? And he's like, no, I want that. I love it, but I've been saving. He's like, yeah, yeah, but then you've been asking me for a miracle? Like it's going to take that in the ground as seed to produce the harvest that you've been begging me for. Right? But it don't make sense. You know, you've been, you're on your job and, and your boss is hard on you. You've been working lots of hours and he's rude and he's demanding. And, and then now all of a sudden he needs someone to volunteer for a project that he's going to lead. And you're like, oh, no, he didn't. I ain't doing nothing. Nothing. And the Lord speaks to you and said, yeah, 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 but I thought you'd been asking me for a promotion. I thought you'd been asking me for advancement. And, and you're like, but not, not with him. And he's like, okay, all right. And, and you feel like the Lord said, take it. You know, it's going to take more hours. It's going to cost you more work and it's going to be uncomfortable. And you're sitting back and saying, but that don't make sense, God. And he's like, exactly. I'm trying to do a miracle in your life if you'd work with me. And so we got to be careful not to say, how could uh, the audacity of God, when I can't give anymore, I can't do anymore. The thing is, he knows your limits. He's positioning you for the miracle. Second thing we got to know is, look, optimism and faith are not the same thing. You can be optimistic all day long. You can be a positive person, but it doesn't mean you're going to change your situation. Optimism is not the same thing as faith. Look, faith without works is dead. You've got to know this. Faith has feet. What's that mean, man? If I got faith, you ought to be able to see something in it. Like, like something is moving. Like I'm moving, we're moving, something. Look, I mean, we've got to know that. Look, sometimes you can say, well, but, but I, yeah, no, I believe. Show me your belief. 
Like these soldiers believed the word of the Lord. So you know how we saw it? They dug a ditch. They did something that showed that they, they believed the word of God and their life proved it through the actions. Look, look you, you say God's called you to the mission field and I'm going on a mission trip and, and that's awesome. Don't just be optimistic. Have faith. What's faith? Faith is feet. That means, look, optimism would say, Woo, God, I'm going to Peru 2019, July 20th through 30th. What you doing? I'm believing God. I'm believing God. He's going to bring in the money. How's he going to bring in it? I don't know. That's his job. Pastor, how's he going to do it? I don't know. You're going to have to ask him what you got to do. So I love Alexis Alamia. She's up at the Church of Highlands College right now. I never seen a little girl that has so much faith, whether it's Highlands College or mission trips. She said, God called me to go to Honduras last year. I said, yeah, that's awesome. What you doing? I'm selling T-shirts. What you doing? I'm writing letters. What you doing? Anything anybody needs to help raise some money. Why? Because faith has feet. Yeah, don't tell me you're doing like just believing ain't faith. And sometimes sowing is the faith that is feet. Like, I'm believing God for something. He'll say, well, give some of your resources. Release. Release what you got. You know, somebody say, well, I'm believing God for a J-O-B. Awesome. What you doing? I'm believing. That's optimism. We just, we put a spiritual word on it. No, no, that's optimism. You know what you believe in does? You know what faith does? It puts in applications. That's what faith does. <laughs> I mean, at what point does faith become hyper-spiritualized, right? It's like... I believe in, yeah, go put in some applications for the place you're believing to get hired. And then we'll see God do some things in your life. So you, you have to realize optimism and faith, they are not the same thing. Third thing you've got to realize is my miracle's on the other side of my obedience. It's on the other side. So God brings a flash flood to capture or to send the water. They, they had to dig those ditches, those ravines to hold the water, to retain the water. But they had to do it. And so the miracle came after it was done. And, and, and here's what I love about it. Digging ditches ain't rocket science. You didn't have to be an engineer to dig a ditch. Come on, somebody. Like, like you didn't have to go get a committee and, and get people together and get a vote to dig a ditch. You just got to dig a ditch. And I think in our life, God doesn't make it so complex that you, you got to go get some education. And education's awesome. We need to have the highest form of education. You, you don't have to be a degree or what you're not. God will use what you have to do what he wants you to do. And so it's just being obedient. It's, it's not adding to his word. And I love it. They didn't, they didn't make a waterway and systems. No, God just said dig a ditch. They dug a ditch. And how many times do we sometimes add to what God says? Like he says this and we're going to add to this and add to that. And then we wonder why we're burned out. Because he never said to do this and that. He said to do this. And so you got to say, God, I'm going to be obedient to what you said. I'm not going to add to or take away in my life. Don't allow yourself to get distracted. Don't allow yourself to get offended or to get tired. Because what you have to understand is those are all things that happen right at the point of breakthrough. You got to say, God, I know I feel like I'm going to die, but breakthrough's on its way. I know I may be offended, but I got to recognize they didn't mean it. And even if they did, it's the enemy using them to keep me from my miracle. 
I'm not, I'm not going to get distracted. I'm staying focused. And, you know, even as a church, we have had so many opportunities to get sidetracked to the right or to the left. But we continue to stay focused, laser focused on what God's called us to do. He's called us to do four things, and this is our vision, to know God. That every one of us would know God. That as you sit here, there are some of you right now, you don't have a relationship with God. That's why every single service, we give a salvation call. Why? Because we expect lost people to be here to open up their hearts and to begin a relationship with God. Then we want every person to find freedom. Look, I don't want you to come to church week in and week out and not have freedom in your soul, freedom in your heart, freedom in your spirit. And so that's where we do the small group system that we're, we're helping each and every person connect and to heal in their hearts. Then, then the third thing we do, and we've done this from day one, we want you to discover your purpose. That, that there are so many Christians that come to church each and every week and, and they don't understand how God made them and they don't even know why God made them or put them here on this earth. Did you know it's 85% of people that go to work each and every week hate their jobs? And here's the tragedy. You're probably going to work that job for the rest of your life. So you've got to find a place where you come alive with purpose, a place where it's not the normal not nine to five or the place that you work. Now, that's your mission field, but is there a place where you come alive with purpose? Is there a place where everything you do focuses on reaching those that don't know God but will because of you? Finding purpose, and that's the last part. That's the make a difference. That's the dream team. And so we, we, we refuse to get distracted. We refuse to say, we're going to go do this or do that. Look, someone says, well, why don't you add this program or that program? We don't add programs. We add small groups. Yeah. Well, I want to do an, I think we ought to have an after-school tutoring program. Great. Start a small group, after-school tutoring small group. Yeah. yeah, but I think it's going to blow up. That's awesome. If it blows up, we'll have 100 of them. Yeah. Right? That's the, I mean, because that's, that's the model that we... And so everything fits within that model, and so we keep it really simple. It's a, I had someone leave the church probably four or five years ago, and they recently came back, and the greatest compliment they could tell me was, Pastor, the church is the same. Like, you've grown, God's doing great things, but the vision is the same. Yeah, it's clear, it's the same, it's what we feel like God has called us to do, and we're going to give the rest of our lives to do it. Why? Because we refuse to get distracted. Why? Because the miracle is on the other side of obedience. And then here's the last thing. We've got to know this, that I'm responsible for the input, but God's responsible for the outcome. So when you start to think that you've got to make that outcome happen, you'll begin to manipulate the situation. You'll begin to try to manipulate people, manipulate things. No, no, no. You just stay focused on the input. Whatever God said to do, you do it. Whatever God spoke to you, you do it. You just keep doing it. You keep being faithful. You keep saying, God, I'm going to be faithful in this. Why? Because I know obedience brings the miracle that I've been asking you for. And then God will bring it. It's miraculous. I love, I love what happened in the, in the story. Uh, you know, so God brings the, the water, but he doesn't bring it in the way that they thought. And here's the thing. If you get to the end of the story, here's the cool part. The Moabites were over beyond the ridge. And so they're ready to attack. <clears throat> they know that they've got Israel and Judah pinned in this place and that they don't have any water. But because God brought the water as a flash flood, they didn't know they had what they needed to gain their strength. And here's the other thing. They didn't know that there was water in the valley because they dug these ditches. And so when the enemy looked out into the valley where the Israelites and, the, and, and, the, and Judah were at, God made the water look like blood. 
And so they didn't know there was rain. So they didn't know they were strengthened and encouraged and, and nourished. And then they see all these things. that they And this is what they said. The two nations must have turned on themselves. Let's go get the spoils. So the enemy rushes in to get the spoils. And Judah and Israel destroy the Moabites. God used the miracle to destroy the enemy. And had he brought it down from the sky, the enemy would have never fallen for God's trick. So here's the thing. You're complaining about the way God's doing it, but it's a setup to destroy the enemy that's been trying to destroy you. God, we thank you, God. So we got to know, look, preparation doesn't always make sense. Preparation doesn't always, it, 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 and that's okay because God's bigger than us. God's greater than us. You got to make sure, look, you're not going to quit. Don't stop. It, it, it's hard, Pastor. I know it's hard. I feel like I'm going to die. I know you feel like you're going to die, but you're not. You're not. You can do more than you thought. You can, you can handle more. God's not going to leave. He never leaves you or forsakes you. And, and look, the miracle, it's on the other side of obedience. So it's just one foot in front of the other. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep moving where you're moving. And God's going to do something miraculous. And I believe not only in this church, but I believe individually that God's going to do a miracle in your life. Can we pray this morning? Bow your heads and pray. Father, we just thank you for what you're doing. God, I'm asking you to move in such a profound way. God, I thank you for just the hearts of your people. God, that every one of them would be in a position to receive the miracle that you're bringing to them. God, I, I know that there are some people here that have, to the point of frustration and the point of discouragement, and God, maybe they're at that place, they're like, I'm about to give up, I'm about to quit, I'm about to stop serving on the dream team, or I'm about to stop giving, or I'm about to stop going to next, whatever it is, God, it's just a tactic of the enemy. Breakthrough's about to happen, and this is a full assault of the enemy to stop them from doing what you placed in their heart. And God, I'm asking you right now, give them strength, give them courage, give them power, give them all that they need. Encourage them in this moment. God, let them feel your strength. Let them feel your presence. And Lord, even I'm praying for the lost. I'm praying for their families and God, their neighbors and the employees and the, the co-workers. God, even the miracle of restoration and relationships. God, do what only you can do. Father, we just thank you. We're in a sweet season, a breakthrough season. God, we're going to get our hopes up. We're going to get our dreams up. We're going to believe you for what seems impossible. And God, I thank you. The next couple of months, do what only you can do. This year, do what only you can do. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Keep your head bowed and your eyes closed. There's some of you here in this place right now, you don't have a relationship with God. You're sitting here and even as I talked about knowing him, if you were honest, you would assess yourself as being distant from God. Maybe you know about him, but you don't really know him. If that's you here this morning, I want you to know you're in the right place. That God brought you here and this is your moment. He wants to have a relationship with you. Now, the challenge has been is that sin separates us from God. He's a holy God. And the only thing he accepts is perfection, which is why he sent his son Jesus to this earth to pay the price for our sin 
spotless, sinless man gave his life, all God, all man, on the cross so that there could be an exchange. He would take our sin nature and we would take his nature. And through that, there would be a relationship with God. We call it salvation. And the Bible's really clear. The Bible talks about us that if we will confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, it says you'll be saved. You can't earn it. You can't work for it. You don't deserve it. None of us do. But by grace, through faith, according to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. So right now, it's your opportunity. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Just You say, Pastor, that's me. I want to start a relationship with God. Right now, in this moment, I want that relationship in my life right now. If that's you, just raise your hand. Nobody's looking around. Just you and me. Just active surrender. Just hands up. Just, God, that's me. Yes, yes, yes. Go ahead and put your hands down. This is what we're going to do. We're going to pray this prayer together. It's not the prayer that saves you. It's the belief in your heart. We're just going to say, Jesus, I need you. Forgive me of all of my sins. Make me brand new. Jesus, I believe you died for me, that you rose again so that I could live for you and serve you and have a relationship with you all the days of my life. Right now, I surrender everything to you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Come on, worship God.